Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze. I'm obsessed with all things fitness and business. I left my career as a TV reporter after 10 years to start my own fitness coaching company. I was so tired of seeing people struggle with disordered eating and misguided weight loss information. Think of this as your one-stop shop for training, nutrition, and success while navigating through life. Grab a cup of coffee, get cozy, and get ready to learn and laugh. Again, welcome to the Taylor Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. This week is all about authenticity. So it's so much easier said than done, right? We all think that we are being true to ourselves and we are just showcasing the real us. And especially when we are business owners or sharing a product or making friends or building relationships, maintaining relationships, authenticity is the root of what is going to keep not only yourself happy, but it's going to help you build your business. It's going to help you connect with your audience. It's going to help you connect with people you meet face-to-face in the future. Real, genuine, that is being authentic, right? So why is it so hard to just be yourself? And some of you listening may not have any trouble with this. And some of you may think, oh my goodness, I feel like anytime I turn my camera on, anytime I meet a new client, uh, meet a new person at the bar, wherever it happens to be, that it's, it's very hard to be completely authentic. So what I want to challenge you to do while you're listening to this is even if you think you are the most authentic person, we are going to find our negative habits, our inauthentic habits, and we are going to learn to rid ourselves of that. So again, being authentic It's not the presence of something, but it's the absence of everything that's not you. And again, for some of us, it's a natural trait. And for others, well, it can feel inauthentic. So where did we lose our authenticity? Because, you know, thinking about it, you would assume that, well, how hard is it to just be yourself? But again, some of you might be listening to this and thinking, "Uh, it's me, Taylor, it's me. And, you know, personally, I understand that because I am somebody that, you know, again, with my background with television news, being authentic is the key, right? I didn't put a microphone on me day one in undergrad prior to, you know, going to a TV station and just nail it. It was hard, right? I thought I had to talk a certain way. I thought I had to speak in a certain pace. I thought that there was only one way to interview people. I, and it translated to all parts of my life. Um, it was very all consuming, right? And then you can think about this in other ways too, even if it's not work related. Uh, if you are going out with a group of friends and I'll use again, uh, a bar, a restaurant, a happy hour, whatever, you're going out socially and you're meeting new people. Some of you may be able to walk up to a stranger and just start a conversation like it's nothing. Some of you may have to rehearse talking points in your head. A really good example is a first date. Uh, That's a very easy way to figure out where your authentic shortcomings might be. We all know in our heads what we maybe, quote, should not do on a first date. However, if we are subconsciously thinking about that and subconsciously thinking about what not to do, 
versus again, just being ourselves, we are putting that focus in creating authenticity, rather removing the inauthenticity. So we're constantly balancing this inner and outer aspect of ourselves in order to better fit, to become more successful, to find love. We're you know always trying to find our place in society. And the ultimate goal is, of course, we want to be liked. We want to be respected. We want to help contribute. I don't think anybody can tell me that they enjoy when people dislike them or dislike their product or dislike their style. We, we want to live our lives and pursue our purpose in hopes of finding the deeper meaning in our lives and to feel that fulfillment that comes with being a more authentic person. But at the same time, we live in a society that values this superficiality that strives for perfection, right? Even at a young age, you know, girls, if you're listening to this, I mean, we've seen magazines from age 12, 13, telling us that we needed to look a certain way to be accepted by men. Um, the 1500 calorie diet. That's when I remember that starting the thigh gap, all of that, right? Uh, that's just a very small example, but something else you can think of today is some people feel like the more money they make that defines their success rather than just living the values that we live every day. So how are we supposed to be authentic in spite of the messages that try to convince us kind of to be someone else in a sense, right? You know, we were molded as children by parents, teachers, mentors, just again, to fit in. And so we have developed these beliefs, these thoughts, these emotions and behaviors that keep us acting in certain ways that we were taught to act. So from a very young age, we had an idea of what we needed to be and we acted that part to be that certain way, right? Which is essentially what we have thought of as our adaptive self. That's going to be a psychological term, but our adapted self is the self that prioritizes fitting in, getting along, doing what we're told. It's not really the part of us that has any value or purpose. However, it does help us be functioning members of society. But again, if you are feeling inauthentic, well, that adaptive self is running your life. So if we can't learn how to be authentic, again, right, what do we do? We learn how to not be inauthentic. So as you're thinking, you may have thought of certain scenarios that have popped out, something that you've realized. Maybe you're thinking of, again, the simple, the simple example of just meeting somebody for a first date, right? So I want you to think about your business, how you run your practice. I want you to think about the first time you meet a new client, the first conversation you have. Do you have a script? Do you have a loose script? You know, something that I'm thinking of right now is anytime I talk with a new client for coaching specifically, I have a few talking points in my head that I go over, of course, but I never once wrote out a script 
Um, I do know some coaches that have done this. I do know some real estate agents that have rehearsed. I do know several people from the TV industry that for whatever reason, a live shot was so incredibly challenging for them. They would rehearse the script over and over and over again. And they would rehearse it over and over and over again. And you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm going to use news as an example quite a lot because it's going to relate to a lot of the on-camera components that we're talking about. And again, just really talking to somebody beyond the screen and not at the screen. But you're rehearsing for these live shots and you may be on camera for a full 60 seconds, maybe. That's a lot of time on television, okay? Now, live TV things happen all the time, especially in breaking news situations, whether that be a fire or a shooting or a city council meeting or anything where, where situations are developing fast, right? And you have to kind of think on your feet. So when I first started in TV, I remember, and I'm somebody that hasn't really struggled much with being completely um, inauthentic. However, finding myself on TV was a challenge. And I remember I would write my script, as of course everybody does, but when you're live, you want it to be conversational. You want it to come across as you're not reading a teleprompter, right? I wanted to talk with my viewers, not at them. Something that I used to tell myself, you know, just pretend you're having a conversation with your mom, your best friend, and you know, hey, this happened, I'm here, here here's what's happening. Just very simple ways of talking. So it didn't sound rehearsed, but what I noticed is when I would look at that script over and over and over again, as soon as my camera would point at me and that green light told me to go, it's almost as if I forgot everything. I was reading what I remembered. I would forget certain phrases. My live shots were not good. And I remember having this come to Jesus moment with one of my mentors in grad school and who was like, Taylor, you're great off camera. And then that camera turns on and you freeze. Now it only happened in certain instances, and it was stories that I was really passionate about, right? Because I wanted to get it right. I wanted it to be perfect. And again, that was my adaptive self. I had this idea of what I needed to be on TV. I was not living up to my adaptive self, but it wasn't my authenticity that was holding my back, holding me back. It was my inauthentic traits that were holding me back. You don't memorize uh, a television script and read it. You don't memorize your, your script to your clients and tell them that because every client is different, right? You may have clients that come to you who have tracked macros previously. You may have clients who are competitors. You may have clients who have never tracked a macro, let alone a calorie in their life, and they need more from you. So again, unlearning authenticity is doable. The first step is going to be to notice when it arises. Just notice it. The moment you catch yourself being inauthentic, saying something you don't believe, pretending to feel something you're not, you'll want to shake it off quickly and the instinct is to be strong because there's nothing fun or easy about pretending to be anything that you're not, right? And at the end of the day, we all just want to be ourselves. And that's all your clients want too. That's all you want. That's all your significant other wants. That's all anybody wants is to just be themselves. And listen to that instinct. 
So when you feel the discomfort, and it is comfortable, you know what's authentic, you know what's not. Think about the way you greet your boss at work every morning. If you are somebody with a nine to five or any kind of job where you are not, say, your own boss, you know when you're having a genuine conversation versus the Hey, nice necklace, girl. Hey, how was your weekend? The obligatory conversations we all have with people that are so fake. And maybe we don't mean anything by them. Inauthenticity is not being rude or wrong, but it will catch up to you someday and it will prevent you and act as a hurdle from you propelling. So it might seem obvious, and it is. But this is where people who really want to be more authentic get stuck. It's one thing to notice a tendency to be inauthentic and it's another to admit that it's happening right now. So hopefully you've realized a few ways that maybe you could be a little more authentic or shall I say less inauthentic. Now, if you are somebody that is struggling and in the middle of going from maybe a nine to five to a full-time coaching job, something like I did. This is going to be kind of your tell-all, right? I remember when I was at the end of my time in television news and I just wasn't happy. I was never happy. And, you know, I had some really rewarding moments. I met some really amazing people. I told amazing stories. I changed lives. I created impact. And I feel confident saying that I left a footprint in every community that I was in. However, I noticed more in authenticity in work versus when I was training clients on the side, when I was training myself, when I was having conversations about fitness, it just came so naturally to me. So this is what I want you to ask because some people might be thinking, well, can you really be authentic while you're working? And this is when I realized that TV was very hard for me and it's how I knew that it wasn't for me. Being yourself at work is not always easy and suppressing that part of you can seriously bring up some problems. Typically, you'll figure out, people might answer, you know, nope, work me and after work me are two separate people. It's a very common answer. It's how I felt. I relate to that statement so much. Then you have somebody else who might say, you know, most of the time I can be me, but it can be difficult. Now, if you feel like you cannot be yourself at work, it is typically correlated with boredom and burnout. And research shows, you guys listen up, this is a big one. Research shows it has also been found to increase perceptions of colleague discrimination, which can lead to lower job satisfaction and thoughts of quitting. So 
I will not use names, but I will definitely share stories. I was not happy in my last job market. I was happy the first day that I started. I was happy for a while and then I realized the job that I was given and promised was not actually the job that I was doing. I was up for an investigative reporting position and the person that hired me left the station prior to me arriving and I came in to an entirely different news director who did not care what I was promised. He had never met me. It wasn't technically in my contract. And, you know, I was stuck doing weekend, evening, reporting, um, every single Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, Easter, every holiday, every night I was working. My weekends were Monday, Tuesday. And, you know, at this point I had put in 10 years in this industry. I had put in 10 years in this industry. I had won national awards. I was up for more awards. I was speaking at conferences. I was good at my job. If people would just let me do it. And I tried not to hold any grudges, but I noticed that I would come to work and I would put on this front and I didn't mean to do it. I was trying so hard to be me. I was trying so hard to act happy and love what I do and have a great attitude. And I've never, ever been the person to have a bad attitude at work. However, you can only act for so long and my burnout and my boredom showed and colleagues would throw me under the bus for things that weren't actually my fault. I was getting the worst stories handed to me. It did not matter what stories I came to my editorial meeting with. I was given the worst stories, simple, insignificant, and thus people around me started to think less of me. They did. I was no longer the young, aspiring, hard-hitting, investigative journalist that came into the newsroom, but instead I was the person that was only putting in half effort or was not trying as hard. I was hard to get along with. And these were all not true. Not true at all. None of these things were true. And when I had the opportunity to leave and start my own company and do what I really wanted to do, that is when I made more friends. That is when I fell in love with this city that I moved into. That is when my relationships with my current friends became stronger. That is when my relationship with my then significant other became so much stronger too. So think of aspects of your identity as buckets. You know, if you have a person and their bucket is completely full to the brim and for me, it was journalism and a huge part of my sense of self is being a journalist, then I'm going to seek out opportunities to express myself as a journalist. And in my workplace, 
I was receiving constant feedback that the way I was acting just wasn't valued, especially when it came to fitness and all of that, right? I was told that my Instagram was too much. I needed to be private. I was told that being a bodybuilder would not be seen well. I should not be competing in bodybuilding. I had to decide between bodybuilding and reporting. And I said, no, don't you want a multifaceted reporter who is has a life and, and also, you know, is a, is a good hard worker. So these are sticking points and I would cover up my real self in order to fit in. I would, I would hide my salads that I brought. I started making my Instagram private, things like that. And it's sad and hiding your personality at work, a place that you spend 40 to 70 hours a week at Hiding your personality takes a lot of mental and emotional energy. And after a few months of this, you guys, I'm not somebody who would say that they have depression or any, any mental illness per se. However, the closest that I ever felt to having any kind of depression was my last few months in television news before I actually left. I was just like, what am I doing? I moved from Texas, my home, to Cleveland, Ohio, a place I had never been, never lived, knew nobody, had no family. I had Mondays and Tuesdays off. I wasn't doing the job I was supposed to, and people didn't like me anymore at no fault of my own. But because I was listening to my adaptive self and I was trying so hard to be this perfect journalist that I thought I should be, I was losing sight of me. I stopped socializing. I stayed at home. Oh, and not to mention I was in prep. So you can imagine the, the uh, conflicting things going on in my brain. It was just a hard time, you guys. And, and I hope that no one has ever had to experience such a, such a conflict. But I guarantee you, some of you can relate to this. If you did not start out in a field that you are currently in, or if you are in a field that you are trying to get out of, Go, make the move, run, go. Wherever you can be authentic, that is where you thrive. The second you can be authentic, that is where you build your life. That is where you grow. That is where you break the mold. So yes, the answer is yes, you can really be more authentic on the job when it's the right job when it's a job that makes you happy. I'm not saying you're gonna go into your office and love every single day, but you definitely should not hate a majority of them. So let's talk about social media. Some ways that I wanna talk about being more authentic. Five steps that I think will help you create a more positive impression and be more authentic on social media. First of all, authentic photos. Let's stop Photoshopping, right? Let's not use heavily filtered photos or throwbacks a lot of times or, you know, just anything that's not really you. Again, if you look at the photo and you're thinking, oh, this is definitely more of a highlight reel, take it off. I'm not saying you can't put your accolades on there and you can't put 
amazing moments in your life and showcase those, right? But if you are a competitor, your photos should not always be of you competing. They should not always be of you eating. They should be of you and your family sometimes. Maybe a little blooper reel. Anything that connects you with your audience and brings them in to show you that you are more than just your title. You are more than just what meets the eye. You want to cultivate an attitude of genuine pleasure in other people's pleasure. You want to be happy to make other people happy. Since your actions influence your thoughts and feelings, you want to express it. So don't be fake when you're writing something nice that you see, but express it with a personal comment. So people that you follow, just don't double tap it. Leave them a sentence. Leave them two sentences. The same good vibes you are giving on your page, you want to share on other people's pages. Three, I want you to be clear about what you're using social media for. Think about how you can be authentic and leave a good impression on those who just look at your profile for a few seconds. How can you show you're curious and interested in the cutting edge of your industry? How can you show you have a good attitude? How can you show you support others? Think about those questions. Again, be clear about what you're using social media for. Is it selling something? Is it gaining clients? Obviously, we all want to increase our business, of course. We want to showcase our our most authentic self, our best part of ourselves, but use your platform to be you, to show the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, the bloopers, the mistakes, all of those. Think about what traits are likely to be most important to people who are hiring you. Whatever you speak about in your captions is the exact client you will attract. Again, whatever you speak about in your caption is the exact client you will attract. If you are somebody who is looking for competitors, speak to competitors. If you are somebody who is looking for gen pop, Maybe don't post your stage shots all the time. Speak to general population. Give them tips on healthy eating, meal prepping, staying fit on quarantine, things like that. Number four, pair self-promotion with expressing gratitude to others. So when people share socially positive things that are happening for them, it's usually because they're excited rather than because they're trying to convince the reader of something, right? And one way you can make these types of shares seem more pro-social is by adding a note to how you're feeling grateful to others. So anytime something good happens, I want you to relate it to the greater good, relate it to your audience. Maybe you got a promotion. For example, when I started my business, I was not like, you know, me, 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 this is my business. It was more of like, hey guys, I am finally in charge 
of this company, I am ready to change your life, right? You want to express gratitude and just thank you guys for supporting me and getting me to this platform. And last thing, I've touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to touch on it again. Keep a balance between personal sharing and sharing things that are interesting, useful, or humorous, right? If you, if you are that coach and you have made it your point to be the person with the best science info, everything is backed up by a study, you are that guy. We all know somebody in the industry like that, and that's a great way to be. However, every now and then, post something funny, make someone laugh, show that you're a parent, show your siblings, show your significant other, show that you're struggling with something. Mix up your social settings so that you are letting people know what's going on for you as well as connecting your friends and family with content that's funny, useful, surprising, and something that's going to brighten their day. We all have multiple sides of us. So display a range of those things. Some of you might know that I am a cycling instructor and I've been teaching group fitness classes for seven or eight years now. And one thing I used to tell my new instructors is you can have the hardest class in the world, okay? The best drills, the toughest workout, But if your class does not fall in love with you, they will not come. People fall in love with you before your product every single time. Every single time. Again, real, genuine. That is being authentic. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's talk on authenticity and I hope that you can take some tips with you back to your field until we talk next time. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for any nutrition, coaching, programming, or a combination, head over to tailoredtraining.com. You can always send me an email at trainwithtailor@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And of course, follow me on Instagram at taylorfit.com.